you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. And good morning, church. I don't know about you, I've already been blessed a little bit. I'll tell you, if music like what you've enjoyed already this morning doesn't fire you up a little bit, uh, how many figured out your wood is really wet? There's a problem, all right? Matter of fact, look around. If you see anybody that doesn't look blessed, pinch them and make sure they're breathing, all right? Because there there are people that can come to church and they die and they forgot to fall over. So I've, I've been blessed. I love the time. And, and by the way, how many are excited about the new property? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's very exciting. And uh, looking forward to what God's going to continue to do. And, and how many believe it was the hand of the Lord that property like that would get to the church years ago? I mean, to try to buy that today would be just cost prohibitive. And so the miracle of what God continues to provide and do, it's really wonderful. Uh, for those of you that are hearing me for the first time, I had the fun of being at your graduation on Friday. And by the way, if you were not there, I'd encourage you every once in a while pop in. It's a wonderful ministry. Uh, that your church has here. Uh, How many believe Christian education is important? And being able to reach that next generation for Christ. Uh, But just a world-class school. The event was beautiful. It honored the graduates. Certainly exalted the Lord. And, And how many believe there is a future when we send out young people that are equipped? that can go make a difference. And so I certainly appreciate Pastor and his leadership, the whole team uh, that makes that school operate. And it was a joy to be there on Friday. Our ministry, uh, we do have the privilege of serving your church. Uh, We come alongside, we partner with you. And uh, what we try to do is provide legal help. Uh, How many figured out uh, the legal system has become a problem for the church in America? You know, years ago, you go back and nobody sued a church. Uh, How many understand in today's world, churches get sued like any other business? And so we live in a world where a lot of times the devil will try to stop the work of the church. And we come alongside and say, we want to help. Uh, We certainly defend churches like this one, and we're honored to do that. Uh, We also help churches avoid unnecessary legal problems. Uh, How many believe if a child is safe anywhere, they ought to be safe at church? And so we come alongside ministries like this one that want to do things excellently and adopt best practices and do things in a way that are well. And so we're honored to help this church. And and somebody says, well, I don't ever want to get sued, Mr. Gibbs. Well, how many figured out you got to die in America? And by the way, how many believe there are a lot of churches that have died in America? And here's a church that says, no, we want to do maximum ministry. How many believe this church needs to do more, not less? And we want to go out and expand and reach more. We want to do everything God's called us to do, but to do that with minimal liability. And so we're certainly honored to partner with your church. Uh, We also are honored to uh, stand with people in the church. You say, well, Mr. Gibbs, what would I have a problem with? Well, maybe you've noticed the workplaces of America are a little less faith-friendly than they used to be. I was just in court with a law enforcement officer in this state. I was demoted. Looks like he's going to lose his job. You know what he did? He invited his coworkers to church. Now, how many believe you ought to be able to invite your coworkers? And by the way, if he'd had announced a gender change, that would have been protected. But you mentioned God, Bible, Jesus, church, and all of a sudden that's deemed as too controversial or hostile or inappropriate in the workplaces of America. Uh, How many believe Christians ought to have the same freedom everybody else does? And so we defend those kind of cases. Uh, I'm involved in litigation uh, to decide whether churches can stay on the internet. 
You say, what, Mr. Gibbs, explain that to me. Well, there's an organization some of you may have heard of uh, down in South Florida, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy. He was a Presbyterian preacher, and he was on television for many years. And some of you may go, isn't he dead? And the answer is yes, he's been dead for 10 years. I like dead clients. They don't change their story. The depositions get easier, all right? But basically, they, they continue to uh, broadcast uh, his ministry and his preaching and some of his messaging, and uh, they've just gotten banned by Amazon, and they have deemed the organization, remember, none of the sermons are newer than 10 years ago, um, they have deemed them a hate group. Now, why were they deemed a hate group? Two reasons. Number one, uh, they preach that there's only one way to heaven. And by the way, how many believe there is but one way to heaven? And number two, that the Bible speaks about marriage and morality and has some rules for life. And by the way, how many believe God's allowed to give some rules for life? And so we are in court in Alabama. And the issue in that case will not be whether we get any preference. You know, I use the civil rights analogy, the front of the bus or the back of the bus. But literally, will the church, will ministries, will God-fearing people even be allowed on the internet bus? And by the way, how many believe the devil would like to get us off the internet? I mean, you look at the Silicon Valley, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., it's very powerful, and uh, that is now what people are using for entertainment, for connectivity, and boy, if they could just say, well, we're only going to let the responsible people use it, you know, the folks that, you know, understand there's lots of ways to heaven, and however you want to live is no problem, and as long as you don't do anything that, that's hateful or controversial, and so literally, we're in cases that could determine whether the church would be allowed to continue to promote on the internet airwaves. How many believe it's important we win that right and be able to move forward? And so uh, we're honored to uh, defend. We work on public policy issues. We go to Washington regularly. Um, We're there before the White House and the Congress. And, And by the way, how many believe Washington's a mess right now? Okay, and, and we talk on faith and family issues, but, but here's one I, I stress for all of us to realize. Uh, how many believe we need a limited government? And regardless of who sits in the White House, how many believe the president ought to read the Constitution before he does things? And, and, and by the way, the Congress, they were the most powerful. Why? Because they controlled the money. And how many figured out they're not doing a very good job? Massive deficits, a lot of financial mismanagement, a lot of gridlock. And then the Supreme Court, they were supposed to be the least powerful. And how many understand in a measure they've become the most powerful? While they only deal with maybe 100 cases a year, um, nobody can overturn what they say. And so we watch in our culture where the Supreme Court is able to influence for generations. And uh, there's nine of them, for those of you that are not Supreme Court watchers, and they're appointed under our Constitution for life. Now, I must tell you, um, I don't believe the founders ever thought they would live so long, okay? I mean, you know, uh, when when they put them on the Supreme Court, they were dying in their 40s. So I think they were thinking, you know, they won't be there forever. You know, some rumor is whether Ruth Bader Ginsburg has already passed and they just prop her up. They don't know. But, you know, the the, the bottom line is that they continue to be there. And and when I'm before the Supreme Court, uh, sometimes I view it like nursing home ministry, walkers, wheelchairs, oxygen, life support, whatever it takes to keep them awake and alive. But uh, we, we have them influencing decisions for generations. And, and you look at like a decision they ruled on back in 1973, many of you know Roe versus Wade. 
And a lot of people say, well, that case uh, was a case that legalized abortion, and you're correct, it did. But it also created something um, that was never in our Constitution. It created this right for what they would deem sexual privacy or freedom. And in 1973, it was kind of limited to abortion, but how many understand it's been expanded a little bit? And all of a sudden, the homosexuals went to court in 2003 and said, you know, if a lady can murder her baby, shouldn't we be protected too? And how many know the Supreme Court did expand those protections? And then if we're going to allow these people to marry, why can't we get married? And just a few years ago, it was expanded again. And how many believe one bad court decision can spiral into a whole litany? And so that's partly why there's such a war over Roe versus Wade, because it's not just life issues, it's not just abortion, very important things to think about, but literally many of the issues of our modern day that dealing with all of this massive expansion of sexual freedom all rests on that one court case. Uh, how many believe the devil can take one court case and have it do many evil things? And so we need to be in prayer. We're, we're certainly honored to, to work with uh, Mark here in your church as he's working across the state to try to uh, get the Constitution and the laws changed. And how many believe it is important uh, that we protect life in our culture? I remind you that if you do not protect innocent life, how many understand you have no true freedom? And, you know, that is what our founding fathers fought for. I, I know it's Memorial Day weekend, and we have a long holiday, and it's a nice time with family. But I do think it's important to remember uh, there are mothers, there are wives, there are families that have empty seats at the table. You know, and, and they may not actually set the setting, but that's where that person used to sit. And, and that person's life was sacrificed for our country and by the way, how many believe that's a worthy sacrifice? But it's a, a, a sacrifice that's really handed to us. Are we going to exercise and protect those freedoms? So important in our culture today that we stand up for our rights and that we exercise them. Uh, one of the things in the world right now is, you know, it seems like the bizarre keep fighting for their rights, and lots of Christians have kind of gone relaxed to even exercising their rights. And so it's our honor to stand and defend. As you leave today, if you'd like, I, they told me I think there's like 20 of the uh, Constitution books still on the table. If that's something that would interest you, uh, your early church brethren scarfed up most of them, so you can grab the last few. And uh, if you'd like to receive our newsletter, you can leave your email. We'd be glad to stay in touch with you. But if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts. I want to show you a verse this morning from our spiritual forefathers. Um, as we think about sacrifice and moving forward, how many believe we owe a debt of gratitude to the early church? I mean, as you sit here today, whether you are of a Jewish descent or most of us would be Gentiles, how many believe we owe the early church? Because they were given the gospel, and we know they had the power of God and the Holy Spirit with them, but they were entrusted with the message, and they made the decision to be faithful, and they turned their world upside down for Jesus Christ. And you say, well, we're sitting here in the Rock Church in Gainesville, Florida, but how many understand if the early church had been disobedient, we don't sit here. We don't have the opportunity to know Christ or to fellowship, and so we owe a profound debt of gratitude to these early Christians. But I think sometimes in modern American life and culture, 
we kind of confer almost superpowers or super Christian status on these people. Uh, the, the Marvel movie industry or the comic book world and all these superpowers that people have, and it, it's part of our entertainment. And I, I think sometimes we almost confer like a super spiritual status on these people. They, they could do things we could never do. But how many understand when you study the scriptures, you're reading about real people? People that are just like you and me. And the early church, if I might remind you, was facing some real adversity. It was kind of hard for them. Uh, Number one, they had no money. You say, David, how do we know this? Well, the early church, when they'd name the name of Christ, you know what happened? They'd get cut off from their families. You say, oh, that's sad. Well, worse than sad, they worked for their families. So it wasn't just no relationship, but it was no income. Instantaneous unemployment. Imagine if you would, you just said, I named the name of Christ. Great, you're fired. Well, they'd live off their savings. Well, no, a little problem. They didn't have the banking of today where we kind of control our own individual assets. They were all tied up in a family enterprise. So when the family said, you're out, no more future employment and all your assets, everything you'd worked for, all your retirement expectation, all your inheritance taken from you. They were instantaneously impoverished. And for many of them, it was a day or two's worth of food or clothes, and that was what they started off with as new Christians. Plus, they went into a society that discriminated. Uh, They were allowed in their day to say, we won't do business with people we don't like. So imagine going to a restaurant or going to a store today, and they say, are you a follower of Jesus? Yep, leave. We won't, you have money, I have a credit card, I want to pay. No, 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 we will not deal with your type. And that's what they were facing in their early church economy. By the way, that's why you see in the Bible they pooled or they joined all things common. Uh, We're in a world right now where socialism is growing in popularity. Uh, I might suggest the early church did not pattern socialism. They were patterning survival. And because they were banned from the general economy, they created a sub-economy. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Here's what I have. And they bought and traded amongst themselves to survive. The early church had next to no money. But then number two, the government turned on them. Um, They would get hauled before their courts, and they would get asked this question. Pledge your loyalty to us, and will you deny this Jesus whom we've crucified. I understand that had to be a tough moment for those folks. And they would answer intelligently. They'd say, oh, ruling authorities, we pay our taxes, we obey your ordinances, but we cannot do what you ask. We can't deny our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And how many understand with words like that? Convicted by their own admission, no need for appeal, send them to jail. Now, as you sit here in this beautiful church on this warm day, uh, how many of you are delighted you're not in jail this weekend? And by the way, if you got out earlier in the week, congratulations. We're happy you're here. No judgment. We're glad you're here. But America has wonderful jails compared to what they were facing. Okay, their jails were outdoors. So imagine being in 100-degree heat, very little shelter, maybe a tree or something you could find. Okay, fields, pits, caves, no climate control, no buildings, bugs, critters. 
Uh, a crick of water, that's what you drink out of. That's what the people would use to bathe or use the bathroom. So the sanitary conditions were miserable, kind of like how animals would live outside. Plus, they didn't feed them. Food was a family responsibility. If you cared about your prisoner, bring some food. The wealthy families showed up daily, the more poor families every couple of days, and they'd try to bribe the guards with some of the food, and then whatever made its way back to the prisoner that was given to them to remain alive. We see the problem with the Christians, no family. So they're now cut off. All their friends are dirt poor. Some of the other Christians would try to help one another. But the reality is for many of the Christians, they knew when they went to jail, that was kind of the end of the line. They would die a very miserable death of dehydration and starvation. And their government did not care. Very poor, not a friendly government. But then number three, the people they were trying to reach with the gospel hated them. You can see this most graphically in the martyrdom events, and that's a word that we don't use today. Think about public murder for entertainment value. This is not reality television. Okay, we have a lot of bizarre reality television, but this is reality. These people would pack out a coliseum, pay money. The leaders, the big shots would show up, and, and they would actually murder people for the entertainment of the culture. And who was hated at that level were the Christians. And it was a, a very barbaric event, as you might imagine, that they'd have wild animals destroy life, and people would watch that and cheer and yell. And, but there was another sad part to it. They would wager or gamble on who was related to the person being killed. So imagine, if you would, the women are on one side, the men on the other. They're shackled, waiting to die, and children being released one at a time. And as the children were released, they would watch what would happen, and, and then they'd run the expressions of the women and look for similarities, and, and they would actually wager on who was related to had just been killed. Soldiers would walk along after a moment and then drop an arm or a soldier, some signal uh, that um, this person was the one that was related, and there'd be booing and hissing in the crowd as they were literally gambling on who was related to who had just been killed. The Christians would pray prayers like, Lord, blind my eyes to the whore. Lord, let me finish well. They knew to jump against the chains would do nothing but allow them to be mocked. And it would also throw off the gambling and people would boo and hiss and, and you know, do things that were untoward towards them. And so they would sit stoically waiting for their turn to die. The women were killed in the same fashion. The men were put to death in a pecking order. They'd start with the younger. They'd work up to the more mature the grand finale, the moment when they're on their feet, cheering and yelling, ready to go home, it was the pastor. It was the missionary. It was the evangelist. You could use words like bishop or elder. It was the man of God they deemed responsible for Jesus in their territory. They didn't just want that man to die. They wanted him to die after having watched his loved ones and his converts, his church, having been put to death before his eyes. As we sit here today, how many of you, like me, appreciate the sacrifice of the early church? And as we think about America, how many believe we have been very blessed in America? How many rejoice of the prosperity and the blessing of America? And our government, I know there's issues trying to build a building's challenging, trying to work in our culture's challenging, but how many rejoice that we can still vote in America? And how many rejoice that we can have input and there's still some due process of law, so we still have a lot of opportunity to still stand up in America. 
and safety and security, while it should never be taken for granted, uh, how many rejoice that we can move about reasonably safe here in America? Early church didn't have those blessings. But they prayed a prayer. Look at it with me. It's one verse. It's Acts chapter 4, and it's in verse 29. And the verse is a simple one. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, say that word out loud with me, church, boldness, they may speak your word. What a great prayer. Lord, look at what's going on, all the threats, all the difficulties, all the challenges. But Lord, would you give us, say it one more time, boldness to speak your word. A couple thoughts on the prayer. Notice, number one, they didn't pray for the threats to go away. You know, typical American, and I am one, and I'm proud to be one, but typical American prayer, you know what we pray? We pray, Lord, take it away. Or, Lord, don't let it hurt too bad. I'm going to get fed to the lions. You want to hear what my prayer is? Lord, seal the mouth of the lions, and I will be like Daniel. I'll look good on TV walking out, uneaten. That's the big faith prayer. You know what the little faith prayer would be? Lord, those lions are going to get me. They look hungry and agitated. But, Lord, let them get ahead of a heart and let me go quickly. An arm or a leg sounds painful. I don't want to go that way. And we focus on the threats and the problems. Notice what the early church did. They just said, Lord, behold, you know. By the way, how many believe God knows anything that comes into your life? And the early church said, that's outside our control. And by the way, church, a ticket to a lot of stress, worrying about what you can't control. You say, David, you don't know what this person's done. How many understand you can't control that? You don't know what my kid's done. You don't know what happened to my, you know, my 401K just became a 101B. It's not good. And, and you know what? There's a lot of things that we get all worked up about that we can't control. Now, by the way, how many believe God puts good things in your life too? Lord, behold the blessing. Behold the good health. Behold the great relationships. And you can acknowledge what he's done. But the early church just said, Lord, that's under your control. But then what did they pray for? Their response to their circumstances. Would you give us this boldness? Now, the boldness they asked for was not boldness to give their own opinions. You notice they didn't say, you know, give us boldness for the Fox or the CNN viewpoint. Give us boldness to be good Democrats or Republicans. Give us boldness to be like Peter or Paul. You know what? they decided it wasn't worth dying for the viewpoints of men. You know what they wanted to be bold about? They wanted to be bold, bold about the truth of the word of God. And by the way, how many believe that's the boldness we need in America? On this Memorial Day weekend, what a great thought if we could be bold with the truth of the word of God. Give you a couple quick thoughts. Number one, how many believe we need more bold churches in America? I want to give you good news. We can celebrate. How many are happy you're sitting in a bold church? How many are happy you're in a church that gives the whole counsel of the Word of God? You're in a church that doesn't hold back, doesn't look and see what the politics or the culture or what others want to hear. How many rejoice that your pastors preach the Word of God? Boldly. Now, you're a member, and you're here, and you're attending, and we're, we're thrilled that you are here. But can I just ask you a quick question on this holiday weekend? 
Are you excited about your church? I mean, you say, well, David, you know, I mean, come on, I come, you know, I mean, and, you know, I, well, well, let me just ask you this question. We all have things we get excited about, don't we? I mean, what, what, what is human excitement? Three things. We talk, we spend time, we spend money. How many believe that's human excitement 101? Fellow takes up hunting, will he talk about it? Answer class, yes, he will. Now, he will lie and exaggerate, but he'll talk, right? He'll say he got the animal. He'll fail to mention he hit it with the truck, okay? Shooting it would require skill. But he'll, and the story gets bigger and better. Why? He's excited. And time, I mean, he can be on a real cold day in some deer stand at 3 in the morning, right? And he'll be there because why? He wants to go. And the same thing with money. I need this weapon to go shoot these animals and $1,500. That all makes sense, right? Why? Because he's excited. Now, can I, you say, is there anything wrong with hunting? Uh, how many believe that's how God made you? How many rejoice you're made in the image of God? By the way, that's why human life is different than animal life. And by the way, how many think it's sad most people get more worked up about the animals than the people? The, the reason why human life is super special is we are not just evolved animals that move on instinct or smell or scent or whatever they want to say. Uh, we are made in the image of God, our creator. And by the way, how many believe that gives us value? But that also gives us purpose and passion, things we get excited about. And, and by the way, wholesome activities, family, good activities, that's all wonderful. That's how God made you. But could I ask how excited are you about the church? This week, are you going to be talking about it? You know, the world out there will never get more excited than you are in here. We say, boy, I just wish the world would turn to the church. Well, do they see passion and energy in you that they say, hey, let me find out what's going on? And time, your presence is so important, but could I remind you, you don't just come to church for what you get. How many believe you do get things at church? But could I, could I give my more senior members a little challenge? How many believe you also come to church to set an example for others? How many believe the Bible talks about that, the older or the pattern, the example for the younger? And, and so you say, you come to church because some of those young families are looking at you saying, okay, how do I do it? How do I learn? And, and you're a mentor and, and able to guide them. And so your presence is so important. And then money. Uh, this church, you've been very generous. You've sacrificed the Lord's blessed. And so I, I commend you. I'm not preaching at you, but I am reminding you about how important it is that we give money to the work of the Lord. Uh, my daughter, Danielle, when she was a little girl, she's an adult now, but she'd come up to me and she'd be like, Daddy, I want to buy you a Christmas present. I'd be like, oh, Danielle, thank you. That's really nice. And then she'd say, can I have some money? <laughs> and I did what you did, right? I'd peel some money out for that little girl to go shopping. Not about your kids, but my Danielle, she would not spend all of that money on me. Okay, because she was now a shopper, right? But a percentage of that money would get spent on my gift, and the rest of it went to things she needed, you know, gum or earrings or whatever little girls needed. And, and I love those presents, and you've done that too for your kids and grandkids and kids you care about. But how many understand God's been too good to all of us? I mean, you say, oh, I work hard. I've got an education. I grab my opportunities. I'm sure you do. But how many understand all those are blessings from the Lord himself? And God blesses us with so much, and we get to give just a little bit back to him. 
You say, David, I want to make a difference. This Memorial Day weekend, I want to like leave a lasting impact for my culture, for future generations. Could I plead with you to get excited about this church like never before? Hear me, church. I don't want you to survive. How many believe that's not the goal? I want you to thrive. And how many believe there's a difference? I want this church to be doing more, not less. I want you to be passionate. You know, everybody here fits into one of two categories. You ready for this? This is deep theology. Everybody here is either a hope putter in her or a hope sucker outer. And how many figured out the hope putter inners are nicer people? I mean, you get around some of these other people, what's their spiritual gift sucking the joy out of you? I mean, you get around them, they're like Hoover vacuums of the spirit, okay? And you say, well, they're just that way. How many understand they can kill a church? Could I challenge everybody here to renew your excitement like never before for the things of the Lord, what's happening here? We want this bold church to thrive like never before. Give you one more thought. We don't just need bold churches. How many believe we also need some bold individuals for Jesus Christ? They've coined a phrase. uh, They now call themselves sexual minorities, the LGBTQ. And their phrase is, we are out of the closet. And by the way, how many believe they are out of the closet? They're very vocal and they are very adamant as to their rights and their positions. And they've got great influence in our media, our schools, and our government. But can I give a little thought? Most Christians I know have climbed into the closet. I'm not yelling at you. There's some really nice people in this room that have decided in the closet's just easier. Now, now let me get it straight. You've trusted Jesus. You're going to heaven when you die. Heaven sounds better than hell. But you've just kind of made the decision that, you know, talking about it to my family. I mean, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm going to see some of them. But it's just easier to stay in the closet, David. Talking to my coworkers, talking to my employees, talking to my neighbors. David, it's just, it's just a little easier to live in the closet. And as we've grown quieter, how many understand other voices have grown louder? I'd love to give you a plan that would reach Florida for Jesus. Whole state. I'll go big, we could reach America. I'll go out there, we could reach the world. You said, David, what's the plan? This Memorial Day weekend, you made the decision to reach one soul for Jesus this year. Now, some of you do more. I'm not limiting you, but hear my plan. One soul for Jesus this year. And then number two, you got to disciple them. And by the way, how many understand that's the hard part? Why? You got to spend time with them. Got to be nice to them. Pick up the mess of their life. But you disciple them well enough where they reach a soul for Christ a year. And then go do it again. You say, let me get this straight. Soul for Christ a year, yep. Disciple them well enough to reach a soul for Christ a year, yep. Go do it again. That's the whole plan. Well, some of you go one reaching one becomes two reaching two, and it begins to grow, and you're right. Big word in church, exponentially. We could reach everybody on the earth in a little over 35 years. If we'd reach a soul for Christ a year and disciple them well enough to reach a soul for Christ a year. 
You say, oh, David, I, I see your plan might work. Might be a little hard to line up the lost and the saved at the end, but if you could make it all come together, yeah, that would work, but we got a problem. There's some people here they are not going to do it. Just not their thing. They, it's, they've never done it before. They don't plan to start now. So your plan will fail. May I give you more good news on this Sunday morning? We don't need those people. We just need you. And you're like, oh, man. Came to church on a holiday weekend, and now i got to save the whole world. And I'm not trying to dump guilt on you. You're your pastor and I. We, we, you know, we, we've been in sermons where, I mean, boy, the weight of the world gets laid on you. But hear me, guilt's a poor motivator. But I'd love to open your eyes to the possibility. Anybody here could do it. Now, you say, David, 35 scares me. Let's just scrub that off. Let's just think about once. Memorial Day 2019, could you make the decision today, God helping you, and by the way, how many believe God will help you? Spirit will lead you. But God helping me, I'm coming out of the closet, whatever closet I've been in, and I'm going to try to reach one, but I'm not just going to win them and tell them about heaven and Jesus, but I'm going to actually invest in them. Try to get them in the church, get them in a church where they live. I'm going to do what I can to disciple them, and I'll try to do it once. And how many believe if you did it once, you might like doing it again? Now, the devil comes to church too. How many understand he does? And the devil's saying, well, this is almost over. Just you can get through this. Don't make any big decisions. And, and, and that's good preaching, but that's hard to live. And by the way, you're pretty comfortable in this closet. There's air, and it's a nice spot to be, and there's no stress, and, and, the, and the devil's trying to talk you out of it right now. He doesn't understand your family. He doesn't understand your workplace. He doesn't understand you, and the devil is talking to you right now, saying, please stay in the closet. It's really much easier in here. And aren't you delighted like I am that the early church didn't fall prey to those temptations. I don't know if I was in the early church. I mean, no money, God. This is kind of rough. Unfair government, kind of tough. I mean, God, the people you want me to reach, let me get this straight, they'll show up and pay money to watch me die. And they said, Lord, behold, and would you give me that, say it one more time, church, boldness to speak thy word. Would you take Acts 429 and make it your own? Maybe put it on your phone. How many figured out the smartphones have gotten smarter than the people? Let it pop up once a day. Make it a calendar, reminder app, something. You say, I'm not into that. Write it down somewhere where you'll see it. The first couple times, you may say, well, I don't remember, you know, that lawyer, friend of preachers, what was that again? And, and you may not remember, and then you'll read the verse, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, Lord, behold, be sure to thank him for the good. You can acknowledge what's tough. But then, Lord, would you give me that one more time, church, boldness to speak the truth of thy word. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. 
Pastor Ron's going to join me on the stage here for just a quick moment of decision and invitation. You're here today and you say, Mr. Gibbs, I'm a believer. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me today. And I'd like to be a little more excited about my church. Maybe I've, I've just taken it for granted. I haven't realized what a wonderful thing I have. Or, or maybe I just haven't been thinking about how I could be more excited. And, and, and maybe I have kind of found my own little comfort closet to just sort of be a Christian and go to heaven when I die. But I haven't really been looking for how I can be the salt and light God wants me to be. And Brother David, I know the Lord is my Savior, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me that's the prayer of your heart. Would you slip up a hand anywhere in the building? Just up and back down. Christians, the Lord spoke to you. We're not counting them. We're not taking names. We're not going to embarrass you. But just the Lord spoke to you. Yeah, I see those. A lot of hands. Just up and It's just you and God. It's just a little God. You're talking to me. God, you're changing me. God, I want to leave different than I came. Yes, we see those. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of hands. Just it's you and God. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, give me that boldness. Yes, Lord, maybe even this weekend, who could I talk to? Yes, Lord, who could I have in church with me next week? Yes, Lord, who could I just encourage as I leave the building today? Lots of Christians doing business with the Holy God. Maybe you're here and you say, Mr. Gibbs, I don't know what would happen if I were to die. Roads scare me. Thinking about death scares me. I have good news for you, my friend. It's called the gospel. You don't have to worry or wonder. You can know. But it's simple faith, accepting a free gift. And raising your hand will not save you, but it would give Pastor Ron and I the privilege to pray for you. And if you're here today and you're a little unsettled, would you slip up a hand anywhere? You just don't know. You're just uncertain. I see that one. Yes, a young hand. Anyone else? Just up and back down. I'm a little unsettled. I don't know. Yes, I see yours, sweetie. Some young people. Anyone else uncertain where you'd spend? Yes, sir. I see yours, sir. Some of these young kids, I, I'd, I'd encourage the, the parents and the adults and folks that are with them. Great opportunity to talk with these young people. Our prayer before the service, nobody would leave here today the same as they've come. Stay prayerful. Pastor Ron's going to come, and he'll lead this time of prayer and invitation. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you raised your hands to accept Jesus, as Lord and Savior of your life, we want to take good care of you and get you directed to the Lord, the right path of, of following Christ. And the, the beginning of that step is you simply, as the Bible says, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, and you will be saved. So I'm going to lead this entire congregation in a prayer, and I want you to pray that out loud. And as the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, you confess with your mouth, but you believe in your heart, even though I'm directing you that way. So we're all going to pray together. So if you raise your hands asking Jesus to come into your life, pray this along with this entire congregation. Father, I ask you right now to come into my life. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me and set me on a new path, going a new direction, turning away from the old, and moving toward the new. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true, and you take all of my past failures, and you cast them away as far as the east to the west, and I'm made new in Jesus Christ, a new creature 
deciding today to follow you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and gave the Lord a big ovation of praise for these that accepted Jesus today. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.